This episode of the Columbia Basin Herald's Studio Basin Podcast is brought to you by the Moses Lake Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber works to help businesses in and around Moses Lake flourish through networking opportunities, member-to-member savings for products and services, and connecting businesses with the resources they need to make Moses Lake a wonderful place to live, work, and play. For more information, visit moseslake.com or call the Chamber at 509-765-7888. Again, that's 509-765-7888. Well, I'm Columbia Basin Herald senior reporter Charles Featherstone, and I'm joined here with our uh, senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer. Uh, our currently, she's filling in as our our legislative correspondent Rebecca Penningill and sports reporter uh, Ian Bavona, and we're going to yak at you a little bit about the news and the sports today. So we're going to get started with Rebecca and talk a little bit about the legislative session. Tell me where we are in the legislative session and how things are going. Yeah, Charles, so we're about a month in. It's finally getting down into kind of the meat and the potatoes of the session where legislators are able to introduce more bills, kind of get digging into the bills that were pre-filed for introduction, uh, finally getting things passed through committee into the rules and onto the calendar floor. So it's kind of just ramping up at this point in time. The first month is kind of a little bit more of a warm-up for legislators being able to get to know each other again, especially since this was the first um, session that they've been able to be in person for the last couple Mm -hmm. of years. Um, There's a lot of hot topics on law enforcement, um, environmental bills, um, you name it, there's a bill for it, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But essentially, some of the stuff this week, uh, we're kind of looking at um, looking to encourage nuclear tech in state energy goals, as well as uh, wolf management, kind of encouraging Um, the Department of Fish and Wildlife to collaborate with local governments um, when it comes to Mm -hmm. wolf management uh, or gray wolves essentially Um, and so there's there's a lot of different things going on that um, are very important to the structure of our state government and local communities so essentially what people are interested in all they have to do is look up that topic and I'm sure there's something going on right now whether it's been pass through or just barely introduced right now. And read the Columbia Basin Herald or visit our website for more information to yeah. read Rebecca's very capable yeah, she reporting has, on the she subject. She has done a very good job on the session. Thank okay. you, Cheryl. Thank you, Rebecca. All right, Cheryl. Yes, sir. Samaritan Hospital. Samaritan Hospital um, on Tuesday night. The hospital's board of commissioners um, voted five to zero to put a bond, construction bond proposal before the voters of the district um, for up to 130 million. Okay. And what that means is they could, they could spend up to 130 million, they don't have to, they anticipate they will have to spend that much. If they do the... They anticipate they will have to spend that much or won't yeah, have to spend that much? They will have to spend okay. that much. Um, so if they do, if the bond is approved, the um, assessment would be around a dollar ten per thousand of assessed property value for property owners in the district. Okay. And to give a little background, the this project has been in the works. People have heard this. You know, this is project has been discussed for a long time now. Um, the original idea for the new hospital. Um, came out of some sessions in 2016 asking what people wanted the hospital to be and how they wanted it to grow. Um, The commissioners 
agreed in or decided in um, 2018, late 2018, to um, build a new hospital, which is what this money would be used for. Um, and 2019, they were working on design. 2020, they were about to go to bid. And bang, kaboom, crash, here came COVID. Mm -hmm. And messed all that up. And among the things that messed up was the hospital's profitability picture. They had anticipated being not having to go out for a bond, mm -hmm. um, being able to pay for it from the money that they made, but no such luck. Um, now they have to go out for a bond, and that will be the question before the voters in April. Okay, so, so that will be an April special election, yes. correct? Yes. All right. All right. Great. And for more information on that, please read Cheryl's stories in the <laughs> Columbia Basin Herald or at our website, ColumbiaBasinHerald.com. And we had a pair of stories earlier this week about REC Silicon. Um, in the first, REC has provisionally appears to have reached a, a, an agreement. The, the company announced that they've reached an agreement with Hanwha Solutions. Be, the Hanwha Solutions is the South Korean company. They're a chemical and solar manufacturer. Um, and that has taken a major stake in REC. Um, they reached an agreement to provide 100% of REC's solar-grade silicon to Hanwha Solutions. Hanwha Solutions pr makes a product called Q-Cells, and they have built a factory in Georgia, um, and they are proposing a major expansion, a $2.5 billion expansion of that Billion with a B? Yeah, billion with a B. Um, in Georgia? In Georgia. Okay. Um, and apparently all of the, the product that they produce here will end up going to Georgia to make solar panels here in the United States. So that was good news for REC. Um, apparently the details on the agreement have yet to be worked out. But then the following day, a report <laughs> came out of Hong Kong, um, and it has, it, this, is a, this is a very, very interesting little thing that happened. The Asia Times out of Hong Kong reported that the Chinese government was going to ban the export of certain kinds of solar panel equipment, machines needed to make solar modules, solar wafers, the wafers that go into making right. solar panels. It's very, very interesting because the report is, is, is rather thinly sourced. And I did some investigation and had to, had to do some very fancy work to get documents translated. The, the Chinese Ministry of Commerce did in fact publish a request for comment on changes, proposed changes to their rules to the, to the list of technologies that are either prohibited or heavily regulated for export. And, and, and certain kinds of solar things were included upon that. It's like photovoltaic um, stuff. Yeah, photovoltaic stuff. Um, and that, that comment, they published that in mid-December, and that comment period closed on the 30th of January. I think the reporter in, Thai, in, in Hong Kong was assuming that because the comment period closed, the changes were effective. He was making an assumption. Um, it, and, but nothing official. There have been no official statements from the Chinese government, none in, in, in any official media, none at the Ministry of, of Commerce, about what exactly is the result of any of this. So essentially, so, they were just looking for input. They were just looking for input and the comment period closed. U.S. government agencies do this all the time. Well, this um, the U.S. government is not the Chinese government. No, I, I, know, I know, I, Be, I know. Just because there's no official announcement, what does that mean? Be, exactly. Given we're dealing with China. Exactly, and so we don't know. But, we don't know, okay. But as I, as I pondered, as I pondered, <laughs> anyway, I'm not gonna go into many more details, but, 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 Upon a midnight dreary. 
this may have an effect on, depending upon, upon where Q cells, where Hanwha sources its solar manufacturing equipment, it may have an effect. We don't know because we just don't know. So that came out as well. Um, so we'll just have to see. Uh, both REC and Hanwha are still going forward. Um, with, you said with their that plans. you said that REC is hiring. Is REC that is hiring. REC is hiring, and they are looking to restart production uh, later this year. They are okay. looking to restart operations later this year, and they are still aiming for a for reaching full production, and the is at, by the end of 2024. Okay, and how many? Do we know how many jobs that would be? I don't know how many jobs that would be. I think at their height they applied they employed roughly 450 500 people. So I know that they don't have anywhere near that number employed now. So, but they most of most of what REC is looking for. Um, engineering types, machine operators, those sorts of things, process operators, process engineers, mm -hmm. is in Moses Lake. So they are hiring everybody. Okay. So, and finally. So an economic boost, basically. It could be, yes. Okay. It could be, assuming that, uh, that uh, you know, Q-cells can go ahead with its expansion. So, at any rate, our final story we had a number of photos that appear to be from the summer of 1950 that we ran, that, um, that we ran uh, from the port of Moses Lake. Um, they were fascinating photos of, uh, from, from an Air Force... Well, we'll talk about how the port of Moses Lake got them because they were apparently found in a storage... Um, shed. Yeah, storage locker. shed. Locker. A storage locker. There we go. Storage space in Southern California that... The owner had died or was no longer available, and it got auctioned off. And the person who purchased it apparently does some of this for a living, um, find, buys old storage spaces and sells stuff, and found a box full of photos of aircraft, including an envelope with 16 photos that said, said Moses Lake Air Force Base, parentheses, now Larson Air Force Base, and it was some sort of special event. Um, and the photos are of pilots and old aircraft, and it was just a, a neat find. That person donated them to the Port of Moses Lake saying, you know, you used to be Larson Air Force Base. This is part of your history. Go ahead and have these photos. So we don't know very, very much about them. Um, I, I'm saying the summer of 1950 because based on all of the research I was able to do, um, the 71st Fighter Squadron, which is the unit featured in most of the photos, uh, received its F-86s sometime in the late spring, very early summer. And then there are F-82s, which are the twin Mustangs. And those were based here at Larson Air Force Base, at Moses Lake Air Force Base, Larson Air Force Base. Those were based here, but the Air Force began withdrawing them from service in late 1950. And by early 1951, apparently they were all gone. The 71st was never based here at Larson Air Force Base, so what they were doing here, I don't know. Uh, Rich Mueller, the Grant County Airport director, said a number of them look staged, and they do. They look staged. Um, whether it's the, the, the three men swaggering from their aircraft on the ramp or the pilots all standing around seeing who can hold the, match, the lit match the longest. Um, they're just a lot of... But they're just kind of fun bits of history, these old photos of, of Air Force operations from 70-some-odd years ago. Yeah. And did Rich say what the intention for the full 16 photos would be, whether they'd be available at the museum or...? 
the, the, the port doesn't know quite what it wants to do with them yet um, or how they will handle them. Um, they do want to make them available to the public, but we're kind of hoping that there is some more information that can be made available, and that was part of what appears it in, in both uh, the story in the Columbia Basin Herald and on, online at ColumbiaBasinHerald.com if anybody out there knows anything more about these. Uh, fighter operations, it would be great if they could let us know. Or let the port know, please. Because, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun to see these photos. Just a, yeah. a slice of history from a long, long time ago. And what a shock that lady must have to open up a storage unit and find all these photos and take the time to research and reach out to make sure they returned home. It was very kind of her to do that. It was very kind of her to do that. She also found some other photos, a lot of them of the twin Mustangs. There were a bunch of yeah. photos of twin Mustangs yeah. that have no relation to Moses Lake at all. So, um, And we should say a twin Mustang is an adaptation of a World War II fighter. Yes where it was one cockpit and it ends up with two? Yeah, two fuselages, two engines. They had a connection in the center that was a wing, and apparently they were, well, they, they, they were apparently difficult to fly. And yeah, the, I would imagine. The moment they proved to be ineffective <laughs> against, against uh, Soviet bombers, they were retired. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Sorry. But just thought that was fun. We're going to transition now to the next segment of the Studio Basin Podcast, which is brought to you by the readers of the Columbia Basin Herald. That's all y'all listening. The paper serves the entirety of Grant and Adams counties in central and eastern Washington, which has strong traditions in agriculture, industry, and taking care of one another. The Columbia Basin Herald is grateful to our readers for their support and to our advertisers who support our efforts to keep the communities we serve informed. All right, Ian, what's going on? Alrighty. Well, it's the last. Uh, this week's the last week of the regular season for pretty much every, most uh, high school sports here in the okay. basin. The so winter sports, right? The winter sports, yes. Uh, not exactly spring or fall, but yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a couple of stories I just wanted to highlight from this week. Uh, we'll get started with the Quincy Girls Wrestling Tournament, the Bring Home to Beef Tournament, which was last Saturday. I love that title. It's just such a cool title. <laughs> um, Richland, Royal, Moses Lake, Quincy, and Prosser were the top five teams at the tournament. There were also a couple other local teams, Afreda and Othello, both tied for seventh, and Waluke placed 22nd out of, I believe, 28 or 30 teams at the tournament. So it was a pretty pretty packed house at Quincy over the weekend. Um, we had a couple local champions at the tournament. Moses Lake freshman Reese Prescott in the 120. Uh, Royal senior Alondra Morales placed, uh, was champion in the 145. Royal senior Emma, Emma Villa was the champion in the 170. And the fellow junior Aaliyah Velasquez was the champion in the 190. So congratulations to them. Um, uh, I was talking with uh, Quincy's head coach, Devin Silva, and he was saying that along with the title being kind of a nod to the history of farming and agriculture in Grant County, the wrestler, the winning team, and the champion wrestlers actually get beef. They get hamburgers from a local <laughs> restaurant. Uh, so I thought that was a little, that was pretty funny. It's kind of a cool way to play on the name of the tournament. So congratulations to them. It was really fun to be out there on Saturday. And then another t tournament, not high school sports, uh, like a WIAA sport, but we have an 18U hockey tournament coming to Moses Lake this weekend. The Moses Lake Youth Hockey Association Winter Classic. Is going to be played at the Larson Ice Rink. There's eight teams coming in this weekend. The games start on Friday night. They're played all, uh, pretty much all day Saturday. They start in the morning, take a break, and then they're back in the evening. And then the championship games are on Sunday. 
Uh, there's four teams from Washington from both the east and west sides. There's a team from Oregon, and three teams are coming in from Canada. So it's going to be a round-robin kind of style tournament Friday and Saturday with the champion game, championship games on Sunday. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I know Cheryl's going to be checking out some of it on Saturday, <laughs> and uh, I'll probably be there on Sunday. So that'll be fun. I love hockey. I just love the physicality of it. It's like football <laughs> on ice. <laughs> I, I, I was actually going to say hockey right. is more like soccer on ice, only way interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And then uh, also this week, uh, Othello basketball matched up. Both the boys and girls matched up against East Valley on Tuesday. Uh, Othello senior Brianna Andrade reached her 1,000 career point on an open three in the second quarter that actually gave the Huskies the lead. So that's kind of an even cooler moment for her. Um, she finished the game uh, scoring more and kind of helping the, the Huskies beat East Valley 47-44. to that win also clinched Othello, the number two seed in the CWAC girls tournament. So they're going to host the playoff games. So that'll be fun for them. And then later in the night, the Othello boys also won over East Valley. They took them down 57 to 54. The boys were playing really well in transition, uh, kind of forcing turnovers of East Valley. So that really helped them get the win. At one point, they were up by, I believe it was 14. Uh, East Valley started to come back a little bit, chip away. But Othello was able to put their foot on the gas and pull that one out for them. So Othello boys are going to be playing on the road at Stila in the CWAC tournament in the first round of districts on Tuesday. And uh, the girls don't know their opponent yet because they got a bye. So we'll see later in the week who they end up playing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of mo most of what I got for sports this week. Just wanted to touch on a couple we of stories. But we probably should say that after a very long effort, the... Moses Lake Christian Academy is opening their new gym oh, yes. on Friday night, which is when we're recording this Friday afternoon. So Friday night will be the official first game in what I think is called The Den. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I should be there for the boys game. So okay. a lot of good pictures of that. So yeah, that's a, that's a big moment for MLCA because that gym has been in process for a very long time. Mm. All right. Well... The Studio Basin Podcast is produced by the Columbia Basin Herald, a local newspaper serving Grant and Adams counties in Washington State. Our publisher is Clint Schroeder, and our regional general manager is Bob Richardson. Our managing editor is Rob Miller, and our reporting staff consists of senior reporter Charles Featherstone, senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer, staff writer and paginator Joel Martin, staff writer Rebecca Pettingill, and sports reporter Ian Bivona. The Columbia Basin Herald is published five days a week in print and online. The paper's website is www.columbiabasinherald.com. To provide feedback on the paper or the podcast, please email us at editor at columbiabasinherald.com. For everybody at the Columbia Basin Herald, this is I am senior reporter Charles Featherstone. Thank you very, very much for listening, and we'll talk at you next time.